Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The Unai Emery League is won by Villarreal. Would you believe it? An upset in the Europa League final on Thursday morning as Manchester United go down in Poland in an epic penalty shootout. We will discuss all of that in great detail. And what next for Manchester United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Plus, we'll look forward to the Champions League final on Sunday morning. We cannot wait for that. We cannot wait for this. Let's get stuck into it. Wow, wasn't that a dramatic morning of football on Optus Sport? Villarreal taking out the Europa League against Manchester United. Such an unlikely and unexpected result. But 11-10 on penalties. One all after 120 minutes. Both sides couldn't be deadlocked. David Wiener with you to run you through all of that today. Uh, so much to talk about and joined by an all-star cast. As usual, John Aloisi, Luke Wilkshi, Heather Garriock. Guys, what a morning. What unexpected drama and what... A climax. What an absolutely fairy tale end, Villarreal. Um, underdogs to go into this. Obviously, Manchester United were certainly the favourites in terms of um, how Manchester United performed. Probably underwhelming, um, but to go out and, and to win on penalties and for Emery um, to win his fourth trophy, unbelievable manager. It's hard to know where to start, isn't it, this morning? But let's start at the end. Let's start at the end. Let's start at that penalty shootout, Luke. What incredible theatre. Have you ever seen anything like that? Such high quality and then the drama at the end with David De Gea. No, I, I don't recall seeing a, a penalty shootout finish 11-10. It was phenomenal. Uh, some great penalties. Great penalties. Um, some, you could say, below-par goalkeeping. I thought the, the presence wasn't there and there could have potentially been a few penalty saves. But the way it ended, obviously with uh, the guy not being able to save a penalty and then to, to miss his own, um, I guess summed up the evening or the morning here for Manchester United. There is a lot to tuck into, but let's just stick with the penalties. Tell us about John and, and, and all of you guys. The We're watching watching Juan Mata. We're watching Teles come off, having not a kick in the game, or come on, put theirs away. And the second half of the penalty shootout, guys that aren't expecting to take, and they're putting them in the top corner. The quality and the and, and the... the composure this morning, John, for the most part, was quite extraordinary. It was gripping. Yeah, the quality was definitely there, but I'll have to agree with Luke when you say the presence of a goalkeeper standing in goal. Sometimes a goalkeeper, even though he might not be big, he makes himself look big just because of that presence. And then for a, a, a penalty taker, you think, oh, the, the goal looks small. It didn't look like that this morning. It looked like De Gea was never going to save a penalty. He's gone 35 penalties without making one save. 2016, his last. You wonder why Oli went with him in the penalty shootout. You know, either could have he made a sub before that. Uh, there was a lot of questions whether he was going to start Henderson or De Gea. He went De Gea. ended up being the wrong choice in the end. Uh, it, easy for us in hindsight. But um, they didn't get the win. That, I, I've never seen someone miss 11 penalties in a row. Oh, not save one out of 11. That's incredible in a penalty shootout. When you watched him, 
you look at that and you go, actually, that's not a fluke. I know people say penalties are a lottery, but when you watch David De Gea's t- uh, physique and temperament in that, you actually go, there's a, there's more than luck or, or bad luck in this situation coming into play. Yeah, most definitely. And look, we've, we've spoken about the quality of the penalties, but look, I, I put it down to his quality, his presence, like we've spoken about, but he didn't even make uh, an exceptional save where he's thrown his body to one corner where where he may have, may have saved one. It, it was just very underwhelming his performance and then to miss a penalty and lose Manchester United the game that's massive but let's talk about Solskjaer seriously his substitution a big manager a confident manager a world-class manager would have looked at it in terms of form and would have replaced or substituted the gal and um and put Henderson in you've set it up beautifully Heather because we, we let's let's stick with that theme because not only is there that element of in-game in terms of what you do with De Gea, because that is, as you say, it's a big call, and a big manager might have made that call. But even the selection of De Gea and Henderson was such a big talking point coming into the match. Who would he pick? We're going to the last game of the season, and we still didn't know who United's number one was. He backflipped, he dropped De Gea for Henderson, then reinstated De Gea. There's not a lot of clarity there, and I think in the end, that's why we're talking about it right now. Yeah, it doesn't give the goalkeeper a lot of confidence either leading into it. And, and look, I, I feel for Dick Gower because I, I like him as a goalkeeper, but he hasn't been playing that well over the last couple of seasons. And, you know, it's easy for us to, to, to smash Solskjaer and say that, you know, he should have made this change, he should have done this, he should have done that. I'll go back into the whole lead-up to the game because after the game he made up, uh, uh, you know, his interview was uh, we just didn't turn up. And, the, and, the, and they asked him... Why didn't you turn up? He said, it's one of those things. It it's happens football. in football. It's, it's football. It's, it's not football. It's a, it's a final of the Europa Cup. Exactly. There's no excuse not to turn up. Look, on your day, someone can have a bad performance. One or two, maybe three. But to say we just didn't turn up and and brush it off, well, that happens in football sometimes. I'm not having it. Not so having so preparation going into a major game it plays a big part. Whether the, the training was uh, too little, whether they did too much, there's certain things that you go into a game that uh, you know that you're going to play in form or, or, or you're going to feel heavy-legged. I still think that he made the wrong choice in terms of resting all his players the game before against Wolves on the weekend. He... Started a completely different eleven, then started with this eleven. Whereas Villarreal into the Real Madrid game started the ten out of the eleven players this morning. So I, I think they were playing with much more rhythm. Um, they looked the fresher, and then during the game, his substitutions or lack of, lack of. Mm, until the hundred and tenth minute when he brought Fred on, I thought that was disappointing. It's funny because they, in a way they got it worked against them that they were treading water in the Premier League because they were safe. They were second. There was nothing more they could do for a couple of weeks and they meandered into the final, losing Harry Maguire. They'd only won once uh, without Harry Maguire, now in five games. So let's break this down then. We're talking about preparation from Solskjaer was a problem. Knowing he's going to play against a packed Villarreal side, a compact side, they didn't have solutions. In-game, substitutions, and the De Gea call, and then the press conference. So, Luke, where do we begin unpacking all that? Oh, look, it, it, you know, it's easy to, to fire shots, especially after the result. Um, but when you're at a club like Manchester United and you've got players that Manchester United have, that's going to happen. 
against a Villarreal side that that really on paper should not have won this game. But so you look at you look at those things and it's going to get broken down. And and I start with the press conference, like I said, the the way he come out and, and just said we didn't turn up, and then the substitutions that were non-existent. You could see clearly. Um, from the first half, some players were off. Marcus Rashford, for me, fantastic player, phenomenal player, but was off. It wasn't his night. And Solskjaer didn't have it in him to, to call it and to, to, to make that change. You know, Fernandez, another one who was off. Phenomenal, top player, but he's off. And there comes a time, and whether it's the 70th minute or 75th minute, you've got to start to look because they weren't looking dangerous or threatening like they're going to break them down. you got one matter on the bench. He can change, turn a game on its head. you got James, young, talented you know, athletic guy who can change a game on its head. And he, he didn't have that, that in him to want to do it. He did, whether he didn't believe in him or he didn't want to upset Rashford or Fernandez. So for me, that's not, you know, at that level, not good look, enough. Look, I, I think Solskjaer has done a, a fantastic job this season. Uh, you can see the improvement in the side. They, they finished second. They made a, a major final. But we have to uh, criticise mm. because when you get into a major final at Man United, you have to win. And especially against the Villarreal, that are, are very much the underdogs. They haven't got the financial capacity of a Man United. Uh, they haven't got the plays that Man United have. And I agree with what Luke said. The difference between Emery today and Solskjaer was uh, Emery changed the game during the game. He made the substitutions at the right time. When Man United equalised and you thought they were going to go and run all over Villarreal, he started to make the changes. Villarreal started to get legs. They made six changes in 120 minutes. Man United started making their changes in the 110th and then the last two were last, with 20 yeah, seconds to go. Mm. I know they were the, for, to take the penalties, but you, you can't say that he didn't expect uh, Villarreal to sit off in that 4-4-2 block mm. because Villarreal don't play any different. That's the way they play. You saw it against Arsenal. You saw it against Dinamo Zagreb. You, you, you saw it during the Europa League. You saw it uh, against Real Madrid on the weekend. You don't know how to break that down. You don't know what to do to break that down. They they were lacking ideas. And it feels like a pile-on, but it's and it feels like the obvious you know reaction to the hysteria to a loss. But these are all actually quite um, objective and, and, and interesting points that, that, that we've been discussing all morning. And it is because the theme coming to the game was this was Solskjaer's moment of truth. It was a chance to get a trophy, turbocharge his time in charge, vindicate the improvement that he has made. There's no doubt there's been improvement. A United team... In, in every sense of the word, but the fact that pound for pound against the Villarreal team, where they they are a, a bigger team, bigger club, bigger bigger prowess, it is why we're talking about it because it was his moment of truth, and 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 they weren't able to cash in. Yeah, it was his moment where uh, he got scrutinised at the start of the season. He's improved dramatically with the Premier League. Um, obviously, there, there was a major change. Um, and um, Manchester United haven't lost away from home, which is great. That builds momentum and belief. But then you get to a final and... and People say, you know, anyone can win a final. But at the same time, it, it was his moment in time. And there was too many errors that we've just alluded to um, that he got wrong. But we're focusing quite a lot on, on Solskjaer as a, as a coach. <clears throat> but let's focus on the players. You've got Cavani, who was the best player. McTominay, who was the best player uh, for Man United. But then you've got Greenwood, who underperformed. Rashford, Pogba, um, which when it comes to the big games, he always goes missing. Um, Luke Shaw... Poor first half, second half, he he, he come on and, and started to bomb down down the left hand side. But these are players 
world-class players and we're talking about making substitutions with two minutes to go. Poor Pogba, one of the biggest signings for Manchester United, he goes off with a couple of minutes to go. For me, it's players like that. It's Fernandez that needs to be the person that you look upon, that you draw strength from, the leaders. Maguire wasn't there. Who are the leaders out there? There's plenty of leaders. There's no one that stepped up today. You, you know what I've been, uh, I think, now going back to putting the coach's hat on, uh, Solskjaer, after the game, instead of like giving nothing away and saying, oh, well, it's one of those things, if he wants to go into the transfer market, this morning was the best time to say it showed what two or three mm. players uh, short of winning a major final. We didn't have uh, what we needed to to break a, a well-organised team down. We, yeah, we had the initiative, we had the possession, but we're two or three players short. If he came out and said that... People would have gone. You know what? He's right. Yeah, and and they would have. But instead, now because he didn't, we're questioning yep. his substitutions. Why he didn't do this? Why he didn't do that? That's the intelligence of a top top manager, you know, Antonio Conte. He did it last year when they failed in Italy. He did it in the Champions League when they failed. I'm two or three players short. Mm. I need two or three players. What happens? He goes, gets two or three yeah. players, they win the Serie A. Would that have come across as an excuse? Like, do you think he was trying to almost wear it and go, no, we weren't good enough, uh, players didn't turn up. But he's not a player himself now. He has to actually own the moment with a bit of a, you know, a chest puffed out and go, my players weren't good enough today. We got, we got beaten and this is what we need to do going forward. How would you guys have coaches, all three of you, have handled well, a, that? As a supporter, so when you're, when you're going into a, a press conference or you're doing an interview, as a manager, you know that you're talking to your supporters, you're talking to your hierarchy in your club, you're talking to your players. You have to be careful. You don't want to rubbish your players and you don't want to say, oh, they're not good enough. But you can say our squad is lacking two or three players. And if we get those two or three players, again, we'll be in this position to win more trophies. I think that uh, what you need to do is show leadership and show the supporters he's the guy we trust. If he gets what he needs, he'll win us something. Today, as a supporter, I think they'll go away going, I'm not sure if he's the one. Well, you talk about leadership there and, and being able to, to take that that on, on yourself as the leader. That, like I say, and people see it. If you can see someone, I'm, I'm, I'm not going for Rashford or Fernandez, but they were, for me, the two of the standout poor performers for them, um, you know, when you, when you needed them. Um, so then he needs to be able to make that decision. And whether it's, in, like I said, the 70th minute, the 75th minute, say this isn't happening. How much longer am I going to persist with these guys? And and that's what it was. He just it was just waiting as if waiting for the some rabbit to come out of his hat, but it didn't. And he didn't have he wasn't brave enough to call it as it was and to bring on someone like Matter and James for me. Do you know what blew me away is in his quotes prior to the game, he said it's going to be a hard decision on the on the team that I select. But in saying that, be ready to come off the bench. 90 minutes goes by, 100 minutes go by, and I'm thinking, where are these players that you're motivated to, to come off the bench um, that you've spoken about and no doubt you've spoken in, in the locker room as well? And I think it comes down to trust, exactly what Johnny and, and Luke have said. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, Abiol um, and Paul Torres were immense this morning. They they were brilliant in the, especially defending their area. But what I will say is that Cavani a lot of the time was the lone 
strike a lone player in the box in good positions. They, they didn't have, they should have three or four players at one time getting into good areas, getting into the box. I think they only did that once or twice. And when they did that, it, it, there was a bit of panic from Villarreal. And and that's the thing, you know, you got players on the pitch that aren't getting into those areas. Maybe grab Fernandez at halftime and say, by the way, we need you to drift to into the box. Drift into the box. The box. There wasn't enough desperation mm. to get no. in there on the end of things. Pogba. Pogba, yeah, we're playing two sitting midfielders, but if you see McTominay actually sitting and screening, we need you to bust your gut to get into the box. You know, a presence like Pogba, the the, the opposite winger. Mm. You know, if if Luke Shaw's getting the cross in, Greenwood, don't be so far out. You have to get inside the back post. There wasn't that in there. When you're playing against a deep-lying defence who are very good and well-organised, you need to get bodies in the box. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So, two-part question to conclude Manchester United before we celebrate Villarreal's underdog triumph. Sosai is safe. There's no doubt about that. But does he have it in him, the tactical wherewithal in him? Because we know that United are fabulous on the counter-attack at times, play some great football, but he's going to keep coming up against these problems going forward. So, part A is, does he have it in him? Even if, part B, he gets the players that he needs to take Manchester United to the next level. Go around the room and I'd love to hear what all you think about that. I still think that he has got it in him. I, I still think that um, he's showing his immaturity still as a coach, as a manager. Uh, I would like to see him have a little bit more time. I, I think that uh, with the right players, I still think that he can win something. And, you know, he, he knows Man United back to front. I, I would be, uh, I, I, f- I would feel for him, but also the club if they go a different direction straight away because then they could take, they've taken two steps forward in, in, in terms of where they finished in the league, also where they're going in Europe. And then if you you change your manager again, then you're taking three steps backwards. And that that could be very... I think confusing for Man United as a supporter if they if what the supporters think I don't know. Yeah, look, I, I think there's no doubt he's he's going to have time, um, and he has got it in him. He's, he's shown that in in what he's done in the Premier League. I think he'll learn. This is only his second Cup final. Um, his other know, one was the Norwegian Cup. Yeah, the Norwegian Cup. So look, he's he's going to reflect and he's going to learn from it. I'm sure he'll he'll um he'll go forward from here, and you know he's got a bright future to to control the change room with those characters that he's got. He's, he's on the right path, so there's no doubt for me that, that he can do it. I think this is a, a blip along the way, and, and I think one that he'll, be, um, he'll reflect on and learn. I don't think Heather agrees with us, though. No, I think it's a great learning experience for, for someone like Ollie, but in saying that, it can't be a learning experience at one of the top, mm. top clubs in the world, and that's Manchester United. And um, going to a club like that is obviously very ambitious, and he, he lives it and breathes it. That's the club that he, he played at and, and loved playing for. But in saying that... Um, you're not there to to grow as a coach. You're not there. It's it's a similar similar um, 
similar to Lampard as well. You're not there to um, evolve. Um, go to a, go to a smaller club, apply your trade. Um, you, you, the spotlight won't be on you, and you can you can learn as you grow. Um, he's in this situation at the moment. Yes, he's growing. Yes, he's learning. But I, I still don't think um, Manchester have the stature and the coach like Sir Alex. Um, and is he going going to grow into that? I think he's many years away from that. So in ex- expectation, um, I think we're expecting a lot more from him than, than what he's got to deliver. Look, so Alex did win when he was at Aberdeen and, um, you know, he won finals and competitions. Uh, at Man United, it took him seven years before he started to win. And so uh, I think the FA Cup was the one that actually got him. It, they were going to sack him. Mm. So, you know, let's give him a little bit of time. I'm, I'm seven hoping... Seven years? Give him seven years? No, not seven <laughs> years. Not, not only. He's, he's had two. I, I think another year. Um, and he, the pressure will be building, because, and he knows that. He's at Man United. They need to win trophies. He wants to win trophies. The, 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 the club need it because not only are they losing trophies, they're losing it to their rivals, mm. Liverpool. Paul and Man City. Mm. <laughs> Supporters won't like that. All right, so you get a player each to prioritise in the transfer market coming up. And there's been a lot linked to Manchester United, as there already are. And we've probably talked about each line of the field throughout our 17 hours that we've been talking about this game this morning that it feels like. Who are you prioritising um, if you're, and I can't believe it, it's still Ed Woodward until the end of the year, but it's still Ed Woodward. So who are you signing? I would say watching Cavani run around. For 120 minutes like he did, I still think that he's going to be able to play week in, week out next season and get you goals. I would go for Sancho. I think that was lacking today. That was lacking someone to unlock, you know, the opposition. Where And Sancho showing it at Dortmund. You know, he's a record number of assists over the, the, the few seasons that he's been there. I would go for someone like Sancho. There's been talk. They want him. Let's see if they get him. Yeah, there's been talk for him for a while, but look, I think still if, you, if you've if got Cavani there, um, you've still got that worry about any kind of injury throughout the season if you're going to be playing in the Champions League as well. So You've got Martial though as well. That yeah. you know, I know he's not the same as a, a Haaland or anything like that, but you think that he should be able to fill in if Cavani's yeah, out. Yeah, I know, but if you've got Fernand- Fernandez, although he's not performing in the big games, and you've got Sancho, are you going to play them both? There's, there's lots of questions there, but I'd go for a Kane or, or a Haaland for me. Yeah, I was, I was about to say Kane. I think Kane could be the point of difference in terms of goal scoring and, and just lingering in and being able to drop in, into the midfield if Fernandes can't do that. But again, he's a goal scorer, out-and-out goal scorer. He wants to win trophies and um, someone like Kane would fit into to that style really, really well. Um, but in saying that, I, I I probably think that he'll probably go to Man City. Just, just on that, would have Kane scored this morning? You know, I know it, it's... a. A stupid question because he wasn't out there, but they didn't create anything. Cavani's a natural goal scorer, you know. It's uh, and I know what you're saying over a whole season, you know, can he do it? But um, I don't think that they were lacking a number nine, I think they were lacking someone he could to be actually potentially gone to, to play with two up top if you got Kane and Cavani. Yeah, that's true. They could have done and that. And then, then when you're looking to get balls into the box, you've got two people that are in there attacking yeah. things rather than Cavani being that lone one. But yeah. Greenwood is offering a little bit, you know, with his trickery as well. So you add Sancho to the mix, you're not, you've got options when you can't get him behind, which Rashford was struggling with today. So interesting summer ahead. I'd throw Rafael Varane into the mix. He's probably going to leave Madrid and maybe another big um, big stature centre-back to throw in there. But would Varane won in the game today, Dave? He wouldn't have won them the game. <laughs> Maybe with a late header. I mean, Alisson won a game for Liverpool yeah. this year, so you never know. But in terms of that, in that solidity, he might have won them the game, but maybe a Maguire um, 
Ferrari combination would have been more solid. Because my my biggest thing about Man United this year, we questioned their defence at the start of the season and even towards, like I think it was last season a little bit, but they've been quite solid defensively. McTominay's been brilliant for him in the midfield. I think that he breaks up so much play. He was, he was player of the match for me for them. Yeah, he, he, he was very good. So I think Luke Shaw was unbelievable. wan Bissaka, I'm not saying this morning, but over the season, wan has been good. So I think they are quite solid. I think they lack at times to break teams down when they do sit off like they did this morning. Good chat. We'll, we'll see how much uh, how much does get splashed in the window. Now, we've, we've, we've gone through the post-mortem, the obituaries and, and everything for Manchester United. And I thought, you know, the stars were aligned for it to be their day uh, with the anniversary, of course, the same day as the, the, the Bayern Munich 1999 final and so Matt Busby's birthday. But it wasn't to be because of the plucky, uh, resilient, resolute underdogs, Villarreal, arguably the biggest day in their 98-year history. Uh, Unai Emery, we talk about Solskjaer not being up for the occasion. Unai Emery absolutely was this is his stage and he won the match on the night with everything that he did he certainly did and what a tactician he is um you could see it before the game the way he, he set up obviously very very defensive minded um 4-4-2 block frustrated manchester united um quality strikers up front marino scored um a half chance that was absolute quality um so look in terms of game plan if he's sitting back having a glass of red wine um while he's celebrating his game plan's gone um, right to tea. Yeah, look, I think that you can't underestimate how hard it is to win a trophy. To win four Europa League, it put is, his name on it. Yeah, the Emery Cup. It should be. It it, it, it probably is, and uh, a bit of his gel might be on the cup as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it, sensational story. Not only Emery, but Villarreal. Ninety-eight year history. First time in a major final in European competition, and uh, for them to win it, it's a little town close by Valencia. They've always been in the shadow of Valencia because Valencia, the big city, big club. Um, Villarreal, over a number of years, Fernando Roy has actually pumped money into that club and you saw him celebrating there tonight. He was the one that really was outspoken when the Super League came about. You know, Real Madrid, Barcelona. How can you want to break away from this league? It doesn't give us, you know, the, the opportunity to actually compete against the best and it showed this morning. He was able to compete with someone, a so-called super club, and win the game. So, yeah, great story. How, how good is that too? And to see owners like that that get involved and that are passionate about the game, not just about the business side of the game and throwing money in, but actually passionate people about the game. That's brilliant and that's what you want to see and that's what football is all about and that's why people love this game. He was out there with the team today, wasn't yep. he, on the yep. pitch? That's what it's yep. all about. We spoke about the Super League comparison on air this morning. What a fitting winner of one of the two major European trophies being a club so far out of that elite contention to show you that there's always a bit of there's always a bit of a flicker in the eye in football. There's always something that the underdog yeah, And what, what I loved so much this morning was the fans crying you know we, we've been lacking fans for especially in Spain for over 14 months they've, they've been you know desperate to get back in the state desperate to leave their apartments to finally be able to go to a game and it's a major uh, final for Villarreal fans that have never been in their history you know that, that will live with them forever the, 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 the emotion was was there for everyone to see special special night and always a reminder of the power of the collective over the individual because I think the better team won against the team team of uh, bigger superstar individuals today. So congratulations to Villarreal, any Villarreal supporters. And we d- 
we unearthed a few of them this week on Off the Sport. Monash Villarreal in the lower leagues and tiers of Victoria. Have a read of that um, article on the Off the Sport app if you haven't yet. They're just bringing their style of play into Australian football, trying to invest in one of the clubs, which is a, a very interesting discovery for us this week. So there'll be a few fans out there I, watching and enjoying. I can this honestly morning. say there's not many Villarreal supporters around the world. Well, at least that club, <laughs> at least that club, that Monash club. We can we can say there are at last at least some. We know there are some here in Australia. So there's not many in Spain, let alone around the world. Well, there's only fifty thousand in, in the town. Yeah. That, that's, well, that's right. a, a lovely bit they of context. They can all fit in Old Trafford. Yeah, that was your shout yeah, this morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good it's an amazing bit of context there. So from one end of the uh, scale to the other, the Champions League final on the weekend, of course, we're not talking about two fairy tale underdog stories here. We are talking about Manchester City against Chelsea. So much has been said, so much will be said, but I'm going to get straight to the point with you guys. Righty. Rightio, then give us an answer. So much so, I pressed the button twice. That's how excited I am for this game. How's this one and lost, and who wins it and loses it? That's a, a it's a difficult question. No, oh, it's not. It's not difficult. It, it, it it's is. simple. You, you, Whoever you, scores the most goals, yeah, <laughs> well done. They win. Don't have it complicated. But, but if, if they <laughs> draw nil all and then they the go to penalties, it, it's uh, like look. I'm so excited because they, uh, you know, everyone loves Champions League final. Um, two teams that know each other back to front, two managers that know each other back to front. Where it's going to be won and lost, the fine margins when you talk about a, a final. Um, but Chelsea do have the upper hand in terms of them beating City twice in the past few months, FA Cup, and also now, uh, recently in the league. It, but City was still good in both of those games. It wasn't like, you know, uh, Chelsea outplayed them and they deserved to win. It was quite even. And I, I just think that both teams match up really well and, and it could be one a lost in, in, in fine margins. Yeah, I agree. Look, it's going to be a great game, a spectacle. I think Manchester City off the back of a, a good victory in the, and win, winning, the obviously, the Premier League. Chelsea, on the other hand, coming in off the back of some indifferent results in the last month, and we've seen it now with Manchester United going down to Villarreal, the way they come into the final as well without that momentum, it can hinder, I believe. Um, for me, it's Manchester City's to lose. Manchester City's squad is phenomenal. Um, I back them from the start, and from all that I've seen from, from sort of start to finish through the league, through the Champions League, if they turn up and they perform the way I know they can perform, I can't see Chelsea stopping them. I think uh, two very, very similar styles, um, two fantastic managers in Pep and Tuchel. Um, I think the fairy tale story would be to, for Chelsea to, to win the Champions League, especially the transformation Tuchel has brought um, within the Chelsea squad. Stability, structure, uh, looks up to Pep um, in terms of his uh, the way and style he plays. Um, but yeah, Chelsea has ha- had you know, variable results um, coming into this Champions League final. But this is a Champions League final. It's a completely different game. And they've had um, major games. They've had to contend with different playing playing um, personnel. So I think it's going to be a really, really tight game. If Werner's on his game, I think Chelsea will win. You, you talk about a fairy tale. It's not a fairy tale. The fairy tale <laughs> is Aguero. In all that he's done for City, said he's not going to leave until they win the Champions League. Yeah. This is his swan song. This is the moment where he wins the Champions League and he walks away. He's got cause It's no fairy tale when you spent 400 million Aussie dollars on your recruitment coming into the season. <laughs> but it is given where they were at the turn of the year in terms of under Frank Lampard. You've got something interesting I'll, to say, John. I'll talk about indifferent results. Look, uh, City smashed Everton on the, on the weekend. We know that, and they were superb. Before that, they lost to Brighton, 3-2. Um, they 
just beat Newcastle 4-3. All right, he made a lot of changes. And they also lost to Chelsea. So they're not coming in like like they were at one uh, period where they had the 18 time, wins in after, a row. After they'd won, they'd... They won tied down the, the Premier League. They had a few weeks there where obviously there's some celebrations in his... Pep's been on the set. He's, he's, he's been going well. Maybe that'll relax but, his tactics. But that last game leading into this final is where he's gone bang and he's made a statement and that momentum carries on. Yeah, I'm not going to let you get away with that, John. You didn't pick anyone. No, I didn't pick anyone because <laughs> I'm sitting on the fence. <laughs> I picked City and Chelsea to be in the final from the very beginning. So it's going all the way down to a, Men- a Mendy versus Edison penalty at the end. And if you're not picking it, I, I do want to yeah. ask. M- Mendy might be out. Yeah, yeah. Yes, so, that's so true. That, that, that's, that's true. a big, that's a big factor. That that is a big factor, and and it's not like Kepper. He hasn't been great for Chelsea, but Mendy's been brilliant, mm. and 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 I, and I'm sure that plays in the mind of your defenders when you've got either Mendy back there that's been unbelievable or Kepper that's been. Very very mm. indifferent. Uh, that can hurt a bit. I mean, it looks like Tuchel's man manager. He spoke in the package we saw on air about the resilience of his side. It looks like he's worked really hard on keeping the players that aren't in the 11 up. And we've seen a bit of Kepa, probably more than we thought we would have. Maybe because he knows just in case this moment comes and he, he might get rewarded for that. But um, two teams that love to have the ball. On a serious note, who does have the ball in this game? How does this kind of thing play out when you've got two teams who love to dominate, but then Chelsea even in some of the big games in the Champions League, have scored their goals on the break. So it's uh, it's we've got a lot to look forward to on Sunday. We're going to be picking the bones out of a fascinating matchup. I think it'll be very even in terms of possession. Uh, uh, Chelsea surprised me because they normally dominate a lot of uh, possession. Against Real Madrid, they showed another side. They sat off and allowed Real Madrid to have the ball and then just caught them on the break every time. Um, and City showed against PSG that they, they can defend for long periods as well. They don't mind defending. You know, Pep, Everyone talks about the, his style of play and how good he is with the ball, which he is. But defensively, Pep's got him well organised. So I think it'll be a bit of a mixture. You'll see both teams press quite early on. And then after, once the game settles, you, there might be a little bit more, you know, once you've got the ball in good possession, we might drop off a little bit. But it's it, it, fascinating. Mm. Mm. Aguero or Werner? Who's, who's the match winner? <laughs> Oh, I've picked two unlikely talk, characters there. I know, I know. I know but, <laughs> two uh, storylines. I've picked look, out two storylines. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and look, I'd love to see a fairy tale. I think Aguero and what he's done for Manchester City. And I think the personality that he that he is also, I think um, you never know. You never know. Football is a strange old game and, and he just might have his fairy tale finish. Did you see any selection surprises from either manager? No, I think, I think stability is the, the, the key. Going back to Aguero, I just think, um, yeah... Similar to, to what Luke said, um, I do respect his career and what he's done for Man City and it would be a fairy tale finish. But in saying that, even better, I, I love a, a, a tactical manager in, in Tuchel. I just think tactically, I think he he's quality um, and you can just see how he's embraced the players um, throughout the season, especially off the back, back end of um, Lampard as well. So... Um, any any tactical changes? Um, not quite, but who knows with Pep? He may, may come up with something um, out of the ordinary. Not sure, but all we know is it's going to be a quality game. Well, last time he played against them, he went to a three. 
And uh, and uh, look, I thought he caused problems. He played with two up front. He played with Aguero and and Gabriel Jesus. He hasn't really done that uh, that much this season. Uh, was he playing my games with Tuchel? Probably. That was uh, fresh off the semis too. Yeah, wasn't it, it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And and he really virtually had the Premier League in his 100%, in his bag. One hundred percent. But but it was good. But what we haven't spoken about the the, the two different styles in terms of their press conferences uh, just before the the game coming up this week. You see Tuchel very relaxed. Saying you know it's it's a pleasure to be here. We're going to enjoy it, um, but we believe that we can win it, and, and very confident. Where you see Pep snapping at the mm-hmm. reporters when they're asking him a question, you know, going, you know, congratulations to them. They beat us twice, but this is a different game. This is this is a final, and and so it's just amazing how they conduct themselves when there's a bit of pressure uh, and you know there's no right or wrong because uh, we, we can always in hindsight after the game say oh Pep shouldn't have been like that or Tuka couldn't have been like that or whatever pressure there is uh, F- Manchester City's front three is it Foden one of you know De Bruyne Silva playing that false nine role and Mares. there's no surprises there and for Chelsea uh, so I'm not, I mean do you see any surprises there and for Chelsea Werner Mount and who does he go with? Pulisic. You think? Yep. I think so. Yeah, I, th- I think also. I think also. I think he's favouring Pulisic over Ziyech uh, for the time being. But yeah, the the Manchester City, I think the, the Bruyne, Mares and Phil Foden. I'm looking forward Not to, to see him. See him, uh, my boy Phil Foden. <laughs> yeah. Quality. Yeah, they're, they're interesting. I, I, I don't know who he, he will go with because... Um, you know, does he start with a Jesus? Does it? Does he? You know, he did start with him last time against against Chelsea. Um, yeah, you know, I, I still think he'll go with Foden. And and you know, does he play De Bruyne as that false nine? Mares has been probably the player of the Champions League, especially in these important games. It will be harsh on him to miss out. But interesting to see how Pep's going to go. It's not going to be so clear cut that he's got a starting eleven. I think he could surprise with one or two. He keeps us all on our toes. Tough, tough decisions, huh? When you have to pick between those plays. <laughs> oh yeah, I know he's struggling, isn't he? <laughs> we we cannot wait for that four thirty a.m. pregame on Sunday morning before the big one at five a.m. We'll have all the postgame reactions, celebrations, everything. We cannot wait for this climax, of the club season on Sunday. But before we end off, guys, there wouldn't be a day in the football world without a bit of a transfer or coaching uh, talking point to jump into. And Zizou, he is leaving Real Madrid. That's what it looks like. On the same morning that Antonio Conte has announced he will be quitting Inter Milan, that's a little bit to look forward to going into the dominoes uh, over the next couple of weeks and months. I don't think it'll be a swap because I can't see Zizou going to Inter Milan because of his uh, history with Juventus. But I could see Antonio Conte maybe going to a Real Madrid. <laughs> I find it fascinating again in terms of Conte, after winning the Serie A, saying, I've done enough, I'm leaving, um, because he's not getting the players that he wants. You know, you know what that is? That's like the old goose hitting. No one yes, time. You, when, yes, you, when you get yes. there, you know that time to leave. So, well, that goes clever, through, clever man. That goes through experience as well, Luke, because he, he actually left at the wrong time with Chelsea. Yep. And, and then he got the sack. So he's probably thinking, you know what? Where can I take this team from here? Can we win the Champions League? Probably not with this side. Can we win the Serie A again? If we do, it's just another Serie A title that I just already won. Probably the right time for him to leave. And he's smelt it. And there'll be a job waiting for him for sure. But Zizou's a big one. Zizou, where will he go? Will he go to Juve? Does that mean Pirlo's gone? Raul. 
the leading candidate, they reckon, for the Real Madrid drop. But let's see if he can do everything he can in his power to stop Antonio Conte's flight getting from Italy over to Spain, if that's what is going to happen. Lots to talk about, about that over the coming weeks and months. It'll probably dominate a fair bit of our talk during the Euros as well. There'll be lots going on. Guys, thanks so much for your time this morning. Bit of extra Europa League and Champions League discussion at a, the business end of the season. It's been great fun this morning. A long morning with the penalties and the extra time, but gripping stuff. Cheers. See you later. Thanks Over and out. Another coffee or yeah, I need to get to sleep. Yeah, one one of the two. Sure. Absolutely. Bedtime. Absolutely. Rest up, everyone. And we've got a big morning on Sunday. To everyone, until then, as ever, enjoy your football. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.